Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, where I am sharing my book, The Last Witch, a chapter a week. If you would like to check out more of my books, you can find them all at frapmedia.com or look me up on Amazon. (laughs) Without further ado, this week is chapter 11. Enjoy. I have no idea how long I sat in the maze and cried. I cried for Blade and for Valencia and for myself. My life had been painfully lonely until the last few months. I had learned so much about love and family, and now it was all gone. I felt cheated. Every person I loved, who had loved me in return, had been taken from me. I wondered if I was cursed to lead a solitary life. It seemed probable. Witches were not easily accepted in this world, and though I longed to go find Norg Hollow, I had no idea how to begin. The twists and turns of the maze were easier this time, and I needed no one to help me find my way. As I exited the maze, I instinctively glanced up at the library window. I expected to see Valencia standing there, in her crazy old lady persona, muttering and signing with her hands. For a moment, I did see her. But then I blinked, and she was gone. I dropped my things on the bench in the garden and sat down in the grass next to it. My heart ached like it never had before. The depth of my grief was astounding, as if I felt the loss of all the witches before me, and not just Valencia and my mother. The loss of Blade was something I couldn't even think about. Not yet. It was too soon, and I couldn't accept it. I still expected him to appear at the edge of the woods, smiling his mischievous smile and ready for fun. I sat for a long time staring silently at the maze. I was unsure of what to do next. May I make a suggestion? Duma's voice startled me. I had forgotten I wasn't alone. I didn't reply. I couldn't. I found that I hated him. He was all I had left of everyone I loved, and he was an evil, pompous shell of the man who had once been my father. Casey, leave me alone. You're not finished. There are things left to do, and you need to find a way to Norg Hollow. I don't want to talk to you right now. You can't waste time. Finish it and move on. Don't fail your ancestors. Don't talk to me about my ancestors. He sighed. Casey, I am sorry for everything that happened. We can't help what we are. You have to deal with what you have and survive the best you can. I did love your mother. I still do. She made me and allowed me to live long enough to see the end of the Rasky race. Almost. There is still the hedge. And myself. Give me a little time. I'm so tired. I need to sleep. Burn the hedge. The rest can wait, but that must be done. The Rasky has great power here. That's why Valencia guarded the maze. She could not stop his return, but she could keep him from the power. The maze is an evil place, and if the Rasky does not return, something else will. Burn it. Then turn your thoughts to your return to Norg Hollow. That is your task now. Return home and restore the land of your ancestors. 
There is nothing left for you here. He had a point. There was nothing for me anywhere. I didn't want to keep the maze. I had felt the evil of the place, but I had another reason. It was the only thing that lay between me and the Green Lake. I raised my hand, and the words were there. Valencia had transferred most of her powers to me, and her magic was strong. The fire spread quickly. There was something soothing about the crackle of the flames and the smell of the smoke. Duma laughed while the hedge burned. It irritated me, and I shoved him into my backpack. He protested and fought against the bag for a while, before falling silent. I ignored him, and allowed myself to be absorbed in watching the blaze. It burned all night. In the morning, the ashes still smoldered. Pockets of hot red embers were hidden under the soot. From my place at the library window, they looked like giant, fiery freckles on a mottled gray face. Beyond, through the smoke and ash, I could see the place where the land sloped down to the foot of the mountains. That was where I would go next. Everything else could wait. I wanted to see that lake. Dumavine didn't complain. I had placed him back on his shelf in the library and left him there. He wiggled a bit in protest, but soon gave up. I could not bring myself to enter the hidden room, so avoiding him was easy. I set out at dawn and carefully picked my way over the scorched ground and piles of ash. I took only my knife. The blood from the man in black still stained the blade. Nothing I had tried would wash it away. I tied it to my belt and tried not to think about it. Killing him had felt too natural. It scared me to know what was inside of me. I tried to block it from my mind and think only of the lake. I walked for most of the day and reached the marshy lands at the lake's edge just as the sun was setting. In the half-light of dusk, everything looked blue and dreamlike. The surface of the water was covered in thick algae, which glowed brilliantly in the fading sun. Tall grass encircled the lake except in one place on the northern shore. An overgrown path ran along the edge, and I followed it. The moon rose. It was full and made the journey easier. I did not feel afraid. Before, I would have been too terrified to even step outside on a night like this. But I was a different person than the invisible girl who had finished her sophomore year of high school, having only spoken to four people. I feared nothing in this world. My powers gave me strength, and my step did not falter. I walked through the darkness and reached the opening in the tall grass, just as the sky began to lighten. The path ended at a rock wall that bordered the lake. The algae grew a few yards from the shore, and the water between was still and dark. There was a small, stony beach, lined with large boulders that formed natural benches. I sat down, exhausted from a full day and night of walking. My legs and feet ached and were beginning to cramp. I removed my shoes and massaged my aching muscles. The early morning silence was broken by the sharp call of a loon. The sound startled me, and I jumped up and drew my knife. The surface of the lake began to bubble. Small waves rolled up over my toes. The water was ice cold and slimy. Something was moving toward me. I could see the ripple in the water. I felt a presence approaching, powerful and fierce. Yet somehow I knew it was nothing I needed to fear. Her head appeared a few yards out. The slime crowned her as she broke through into the sunlight. She was hideous to behold, and yet strangely beautiful at the same time. Her hair hung in wet tangles around her cold blue shoulders. Slime clung to her face just below her dark eyes, and dripped from her pale lips. 
She rose from the water and approached me, clothed in lake weed and a thicker, darker slime that must have come from the deeper parts of the lake. She stood with her face just inches from mine, but I did not back away, not even when she smiled and showed me her pointed teeth. She laughed. The sound was thick and wet. I see that you are a lot like your mother, Casey. I like that. She went to the bench and sat down, patting the space beside her with her hand. Come sit with me. I joined her, and we sat in silence for a while. She seemed relaxed and in no hurry to speak again. I looked at her out of the corner of my eye, trying to discover who she might be. But in all the memories I had received from Valencia, I could find no recollection of this strange lake queen. She laughed again. I knew your mother, not Valencia. She kept our friendship a secret, for Valencia distrusted anyone she could not understand. She would not have liked me. I was also a friend to your grandmother, Clara's mother. And she and Valencia never got along. She was cast out of the house soon after her coming of age and left to fight the Rasky alone. She was only permitted to return when she bore Clara. No, your great-grandmother would not have liked me at all. I sat in stunned silence, unable to tear my eyes from her terrible face. I knew almost nothing about my grandmother. Valencia never spoke of her, and I had always assumed that she died early and terribly. It did not go well for Della. She had very little training, and they found her quickly. Unlike the others, there was no seduction. They captured her and tortured her, until she revealed the location of Valencia and your mother. There were other witches in Crystal River then, and she betrayed them all. The carnage was great, but Della was spared. She renounced her ancestors and her power. She became a shell of the woman she had been. Once she was of no more use, the Rasky abandoned her and left her to waste away while they hunted for the remaining two, Valencia and Clara. That is how I found her. She wandered in a stupor to the shores of this lake and entered the water without my permission. She was lucky I was the one who found her. My servants are terrible and bloodthirsty. They would have killed her instantly. Indeed, they have been ordered to kill any who trespass here. She gave me another horrible grin. Slime dripped from her mouth. I felt my stomach lurch, but I tried to return the smile. She patted my knee with her ice-cold, claw-like hand. You have nothing to fear, Casey. I loved your mother very much, and I promised her long ago to protect you if you ever came to me, though I sense that you have done well on your own already. There is much of your mother in you, and Valencia as well. They were both powerful witches, yet I think you will be the most powerful of all. What happened to my grandmother? I found it difficult to speak in the presence of this woman, and a wave of fear washed over me when she turned to look at me. Her face was sad, an emotion that made her awful features even more revolting. Della was almost gone when I found her. Valencia had taken Clara into hiding, and Della had come to my lake seeking death. I tried to protect her for a while. I'll admit I was mostly interested in meeting Clara, for the Rasky had been defeated and sent back to regain power before returning again. 
I gave Della a home for the rest of the time she was alive. She did not last long. My world is not for everyone. Living there can be very draining. Renouncing her identity made her weak, and my land finished her, though I made sure she was as comfortable as possible until she passed. She was a good friend, and I miss her still. Clara was some comfort. She came to me not long after Della's passing. Her desire to find her mother led her here, against Valencia's wishes, I might add. She was a special woman. Your mother did not fear me, even at our first meeting. Usually people flee in terror at the sight of me, but she just stood on the shore and waited. Like you did, Casey. You are the second person to face me unafraid. And so I welcome you to Lychee, my world beneath the water. Will you come with me? I have something I wish to show you. She extended her hand to me. It was cold and slimy, but I gripped it tightly as we approached the scum-covered lake. She sang as we entered the water and waded up to our waists. A huge bubble rose up from the depths. Without pausing, the lake queen stepped through its slimy surface and pulled me in after her. We descended deep into the darkness of the lake. The water was murky and green. Sunlight fought through the gloom in some places, creating twisting shadows between the golden beams. Through the shafts of green and gold light, I saw shapes darting in and out, and briefly glimpsed grotesque faces and eyes that were glowing and filled with madness. The Lake Queen laughed when one of the more terrible creatures swam at us, and I jumped back against her. She waved her hand, and a golden light surrounded us. Now I could see nothing beyond the bubble, but it didn't make me feel more comfortable. I was beginning to wonder if I had made a grave mistake in blindly trusting this strange woman. You have nothing to fear. I am Queen of Lychee, and no one will harm you while you are my guest. I promise that you will return to shore, unharmed, by dawn tomorrow. I only wish to show you something your mother left behind, and to make you my friend, if that is possible. Our worlds united would be a powerful force. Her eyes had changed, and were now as golden as the light around us. I felt as if she could see right through me, into my thoughts and the places in my mind that even I was not acquainted with. When I say your world, I do not mean the human world. They are beyond our help. You must find Norg Hollow and restore the race of witches to prominence. I don't know where to begin. Your mother did, and she left something for you. She knew you would come here. Your mother saw the future with great clarity, and she accepted her fate. Her one mistake was the creation of Dumavine. That book never should have come into being. He is the one tie the Rasky King has left to you, and he will bring them back to hunt you if he can. Do not listen to him. If you will trust me, bring him to me four days after your return from Lychee. I will handle him. You should not be the one to destroy him. Your father's blood should not soil your hands, no matter who he was. I didn't know how to answer her, and we finished our trip in silence. The light inside dimmed, and I could again see outside the bubble. Lychee was more terrifying and beautiful than I had expected. Tall, jagged buildings rose up from the lake bottom, dotted with rough openings in the rock. Horrible creatures slipped in and out of the openings. 
None were as human as the queen, and I wondered how she became so unlike her people and why they would willingly follow someone so different from themselves. Once again, she seemed to read my thoughts. I appear this way for your benefit. My true appearance would be too terrible for you to witness. You would go mad. But do not fear. You are my guest, and none shall harm you. I only want to give you something, and then you may return to your home. What do you have to show me? Patience, dear. You will soon see. The golden bubble drifted through the murky city. Creatures that came too close to it were blinded by the golden light, stiffened, and floated, motionless, to the lake bottom. The queen seemed unconcerned, and we drifted on until we reached the castle. The peaks of the mountainous form rose high above us, disappearing into the gloom. The bubble floated up to the entrance of the castle, the only door I had seen in the entire city. The queen moved her hand around my head, before putting her finger through the bubble and bursting it in an explosion of golden light. I gasped as I plunged into the icy water, expecting to feel it fill my lungs, and wondering why I had trusted this horrid woman. The queen laughed and I opened my eyes. There was a golden globe surrounding my head, a smaller version of the bubble. She didn't say a word, but she motioned for me to follow her through the gate. I swam awkwardly after her, watching her glide through the water, her form shifting from legs to fins. The massive door opened slowly and revealed a dark, shadowy hall, lined with small, bobbing globes of light and a row of servants, each more terrifying than the next. I saw their eyes grow wide when they saw me, but they said nothing. Some trembled before me, fear overcoming them until the queen spoke a few words and their shaking ceased. I followed her into a large room. At the center was her throne, a huge rock carved to look like a giant set of jaws. She settled herself inside them and called forth a servant carrying a smaller seat. It was shaped like an armchair and covered with some kind of underwater moss that was cold and soft and slimy. I tried to be polite and look comfortable, but the sensation of the moss was unnerving. It writhed beneath me, and I couldn't help feeling that it would soon wrap itself around me and hold me captive until I drowned. The queen laughed. It would indeed, if I allowed it. It would also like to pop that bubble around your head and watch you suffer. But you are safe. Everything in this lake answers to me. She snapped her fingers, and two more servants appeared, pulling a large silver trunk between them. They placed it before us and departed swiftly, though not before casting an inquisitive look in my direction. Their eyes were green and glowed slightly in the dimness, and their faces were full of hate. The queen paid no attention to them after they placed the trunk before her. She knelt and held her finger over the lock, speaking quietly, so low I couldn't make out the words. There was a click, muffled slightly by the water, and then the trunk lid floated open. She lifted a box from the trunk and handed it to me. Open it. The box was beautiful, wooden and carved with pretty designs. Blue and green jewels were set into the cover in the shape of a sea. My hands shook as I lifted the lid, knowing that what I held had once been in my mother's hands. There was a packet inside, some kind of water-resistant parchment, but every page was blank. I looked questioningly at the queen, knowing I did not need to speak the thoughts that were filling my mind. You cannot read them here. 
The words will appear when the parchment dries. It is a letter from your mother. Clara came to me just before she died. She was trapped in a love triangle with both sides of the Rasky King, and she knew her end was fast approaching. She wanted you to have this after your coming of age, and for some reason she did not trust Valencia with it. She left it with me, and seemed sure that you would come here when the time was right. I could feel tears trying to escape, and my heart was pounding. Over the years I had bottled up my feelings about my mother, rarely allowing myself to think about her or my father. Valencia had been more than willing to avoid the topic, and had never mentioned her without my prompting. I couldn't stop myself now. My tears were hot as they poured down my cheeks. The late queen did not speak. She watched me with a face purposefully blank, until the tears slowed and I was able to breathe again. You can't take it with you today. I know that seems cruel, but it is the only insurance I have that you will bring me what I want. Duma. Yes, I want Duma Vine brought here. He has caused enough trouble. It is time for his destruction. But he's my father. The queen laughed. Your father was half of the great Rasky, bred for evil and nothing more. Dumavine is nothing but your mother's pathetic attempt to hold on to her lover. She died for her foolishness. He cannot exist. The Rasky king must be completely destroyed. He helped me. I would have lost if he hadn't been in the game with me. I'm sure he did, but I am also certain that he had motives other than your best interest at heart. The thing you need to ask yourself is which is more important, your mother's letters and the instructions for locating the land of your foremothers, or a book, a small piece of your father's soul, which is evil to the core. I need to think about this. She settled back in her throne and placed her fingertips together. She didn't look at me, but she had a small, satisfied smile on her face. Very well. Take all the time you need. I'm not going anywhere. She waved her hand, and I was once again encased in a large bubble. As it began to float away, she took my mother's letters and waved them at me before placing them back in their box. She shut them in the trunk, and her servants moved forward to take them away. As the bubble carried me out of the castle, and back to the shore. And that is the end of chapter 11, book lovers. I hope you're enjoying The Last Witch. I will be back next week with another chapter. Until then, you can find all things Books and Cats at booksandcatspod.com, frappmedia.com, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and until next time, keep reading. A Media Production.